Welcome to episode 207 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbuehl, and today my special guest is Gulfstream Park's very own Brian Natto. Me and Brian go over races 10, 12, and 13 on this past Saturday's Gulfstream Park card. And some angles that we talk about are why Warm Heart was a better bet than Integration. And also, if you tossed Didia's last race in the Breeders' Cup, she had excellent form all through last year. That made her an okay bet in the 10th. This is Red Board Rewind. It's the same old story in this cycle. We go back and forth. We go back and forth. It ain't good for me. Why we do this for? We go back and forth. Won't do this no more. And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest for this week's edition of Redboard Rewind. If we're talking about Gulfstream Park, there's only one person I'm going to have on the show. That's Brian Natto. Brian, how are you? Hey, Spence. I'm doing really good. Good to uh, good to hear from you. Yeah, fresh off a huge weekend down here at Gulfstream. Pegasus on uh, Pegasus on Saturday didn't disappoint, and then uh, big Rainbow Six on Sunday that changed three. Three or more people, three tickets lives at 1.8 million apiece. So, yeah, it was a fun weekend down here. There's no doubt about it. Weather was probably the best Pegasus weather-wise ever. So we had a blast down here, no doubt about it. It's it's always hard, real quick, just with obviously three people. Congratulations on hitting tickets like that, and obviously 1.8. No one's going to scoff at that. But just how long it took to build that up, and I know that we have these days where we we tend to you know, you know tell everyone, Hey, we're taking down the pool. Everyone can jump in, make the, all the extra money. Uh, with your thoughts, just overall on the rainbow, do you think that there is a better way it can be done? Or do you think that right now, like obviously having, you know, this type of, you know, record breaking day on Saturday. And then, you know, obviously it was almost like the best of both worlds. Then the rainbow gets hit by minimal people. Do you wish that it was a thing where more people hit it and there was less takeout, et cetera. What are your kind of thoughts going into that? Well, I mean, we all wish there was less takeout in racing. If there's no takeout, it'd be great, but that's just not going to happen. Uh, the rainbows actually, you know, it's 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 not uh, – there's a lot worse rainbows out there would take out, uh, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it builds a big, huge pool, and, and I think it's something racing, you know – should promote when you it's a lifetime score for people you know my goodness you'd never see me again if i won 1.8 million dollars so uh it's just a huge epic score the sequence the sequence looked it i mean it was hard as hell uh on sunday and and uh people you know like playing for those jackpots there was a lot of dead money in there it builds really quickly down here so it wasn't like it it built up for a month or anything so um and they sent it in. They they bet over five and a half million dollars on their five point four million dollars or on uh, on Sunday. So it, it, it's so well received down here. So uh, you know we, we we like it, and it gets a lot of people involved and a, a lot of eyes on it too. I think, and you brought up, you know, there's a lot worse rainbows out there. I I just think that even for me, like when it comes down to pick sixes and pick fives and everyone says like, you know, Oh, you only want to hit it, you know, 
one time or two times out of how many. You want to make sure you're not playing these crazy loose tickets. I think for me, I'd rather hit it a couple more times and play the tight, the tighter t- or the more wide tickets. You know, include a couple extra favorites. And listen, if I'm playing, you know, a couple, you know, hundred dollar tickets, and I can hit for eight hundred to a thousand a couple times during the meet, especially when I'm not betting as much. Maybe I'm playing those with a couple friends. You know, I'm only putting twenty five dollars in. I feel like that for me is where being a younger player, I'd rather do that a lot of the times than, you know, playing these tickets for, you know, $500, $600. And then you're still trying, like, obviously the CRWs are kicking you out because they have all the combinations you have. I, I feel like hitting the lower denomination ones a couple extra times are kind of what I aim for with a friend group compared to, you know, if I can hit for 40000 great. But, you know, $1,000 at the end of the day between a couple guys and we split it for two fifty isn't bad either. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. No one, and the other thing is, you're you shouldn't expect to sweep a rainbow six on a ticket like that. So yeah. you have to you have to handicap the sequence and see what's out there. Now Sunday looked like a day that I think I said on the air looked like a hundred thousand dollar day. I mean, it was it was so hard, so difficult. Uh, but on a day in day out basis, I mean, I think far too many people probably p- play large tickets thinking they're going to sweep it, which is just totally. Uh, it's not the way to do it because it's just, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you're not going to sweep the rainbow six. Okay. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So yeah, I agree with you play a 1940 ticket and try to hit it three times. Or, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I, now nah, maybe it was a little bit longer than that. I hit it three times and I think was like a $5 and 40 cent ticket and it paid, I don't know what it paid 6240 or something. I hit it three times. I mean, you have to know what you're looking at as a handicapper and you, you know, the old adage of don't look for something that's not there. I mean, that's the absolute worst thing as a better you can do. I mean, there's no sense in playing a $400 uh, box car pick five. If, if it's going to pay $48 with a bunch of favorites. So you have to handy, not only handicap the races, but handicap the sequence as well. And I think, I think that's something that people get lost on. Now, Sunday was not the case. I mean, that was a day where, you know, let's say you play for $60. That was a day where you should have played for $400 because that's how difficult it was. But, um, yeah, I've never, I, I, I can't possibly imagine I've ever played the rainbow six thinking I'm going to be the only winning ticket. It's just not plausible. I think you bring up such a great point though, that you played a $5 and 40 cent ticket. And again, here goes Spencer preaching bankroll management. Again, so many people, sports betting, horse racing, just any type of gambling game, poker, you see these people play so high above what their bankroll is. And at the end of the year, the only thing that matters is, are you green, you know, on de- on the last day of December for the year? Or were you a winning player for the year? If you want to keep playing, you know, I have a $200 bankroll, but I'm going to play $100 a day, your bankroll is going to be blown up in less than two weeks. And I feel like the fact that you played that nice little $5.40 ticket, you hit it three times. Okay, 15 for 180 and change. Uh, the ROI and that's pretty damn good. And I always tell this to people all the time too, who, you know, shame people for how much they're betting in a race. If I'm with a certain group of guys and I'm betting a lot lower, will I, and people will say that I'm ridiculous and not cheer for my horse, but you know, if I win, I'm not going to be, you know, ripping my shirt off, you know, like the Kelsey's there in the box when the chiefs are going into the super bowl 
But I'm going to be happy that I hit the ticket. I'm going to be sad for these guys who lost, obviously, much more than I ever willing to wager on one race. And I think that proper bankroll management is just something that will not only allow handle to rise, it'll keep more people in the game. And obviously, what a lot of racetracks hope for is just put the money through the window and then it's kind of, you know, sit and forget about it. I think if people practice better bankroll management, you'd get a lot bigger, you know, handle days on that Monday through Friday, not just the weekend warriors on the weekends. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really all actually goes back to the whole paramutual system. I think, you know, that the people that don't understand it, the old adage, when the 40 to one wins and you hear those people say, wow, the track made out today. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, as you know, and I'm sure people have to listen to this podcast, they know, but the track makes exactly the same regardless of what horse comes in. And quite honestly, the track wouldn't mind seeing, uh, a bunch of five to twos win because that's only going to theoretically create a lot more churn mm-hmm. uh, because a lot more people are cashing tickets. I think that was a pretty good storm on Sunday because for all intents and purposes, the Pegasus card was, I don't want to call it chalky, but I'll call it a pretty formful. A lot of the races were pretty formful uh, and formful yields people cashing tickets yeah um and that probably helped on sunday when again like i said they bet over five and a 5.4 million or or what have you so um you know bankroll management is betting 101 it takes you know i'm not telling you i have it mastered by any stretch of the imagination but that's that's as that's more important than picking winners to be quite honest with you um bankroll management is and people need to learn that and they like you said don't play above your means and uh there's you, you know no, no point in playing a two hundred dollar ticket if, if three favorites and and two four to ones are going to win because that's not going to work for you. I think as well, and and this is just for me, and I'm sure I've told the story in the pod before. It was a raining day at Saratoga. Imagine that, a uh, man and a wife, man and woman come up to me and they go, you know, who do you like in this race? It was raining. I said, uh, I would bet the favorite or a main track only here, just because he has the best, you know, wet figures. It's not always supposed to be that way. This one's going to show speed. And she goes, what's the largest, you know, pick on the board it was 99 to one shot. Lo and behold, of course, that one beats me at the wire. And this woman goes skipping by me and just says, we're, we're going to go buy some nice clothes. I, I, I guarantee you they didn't bet another dollar the rest of the day. And they probably did leave. And it was just the most like, it's not infuriating when people hit these longer shots, but it's just, you know, I wish that people understood how hard it is to do. And, you know, overall, like on these big days when, you know, all of a sudden four or five long shots win, well, that's at one track and there's 20 something tracks going all day and the rest of the tracks probably have one long shot. So it's just because that the best racing is there and it probably has the most even amount, you know, of horses. And that's why, you know, oh, if you let one go on the tow board and that one wins, well, if it happens two or three times, you know, maybe the public at that racetrack for that day is not a hundred percent, you know, set. Maybe they are, you know, Oh, Chad's going to break the break the streak today. And they're going to bet a lot of Chad's and it just never happens. And that's, you know, that's why when people like Chad are over, you know, 20 plus, I'm not playing them ever. Yeah. I'm a staunch believer in that too. I got to, I got to see you win a race before I, I get on you or if a horse is after, after I see one for 15, you know, we're all done. Uh, it happens, but you know, a horse, uh, what's his name? Henley's joy won today. He, was, yeah. he had lost 30, mm-hmm. 34 in a row. Um, you know, and he won at five to one. What a fun game, but <laughs> you know, you're just not going to, that's just a, a recipe for, for the poorhouse at the racetrack. 
let's start off with uh with these races. We're gonna go through um all the Pegasus World Cup races. The first one is race number ten from Gulfstream. It is the Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mayor Turf Invitational. It's a grade two, one on one sixteen miles on that luscious turf course. Again, these these are super tough races. I came up with two in this. I thought Didia, the Argentinian, bred with Jose and Ignacio Correas uh, training. This one, I just think if you toss out that last race in a tough race like the Breeders' Cup, and, you know, sometimes I think it gets in trainers' heads, you know, oh, my horse is definitely good enough to be in this race. And then they just either don't show or something weird happens. Then we get the layoff. Was it the layoff? Was this one hurt? We don't know. Listen, she's coming back now. She's six. Every other race before that was kind of that even mid-90 number, but at least showed some consistency. And for me, that one was one that I wanted to use. I also just thought Missing a Joy with Johnny V, Graham Motion, another one. <coughs> that QE2 last time out, just I thought was a step in the right direction, and I wanted to use this one at a bit of a price there at 10 to 1 in the morning line. Yeah, I was on uh, I was on Ruby Nell. She was the the, the lone speed in the race uh, over a turf course that was just really placed to speed, and she was going to be loose on the lead and kind of just going. And you know, I worked. At, I know it was just three year olds last time uh, in California. She was just absolutely devastating uh, in the race. So I was. She was my my kind of price player. One of my one of my stronger plays on the day. Uh, as a lone F in the race, I didn't have a lot of opinion. I certainly had to respect Star Fortress, but you didn't have to love her off that wonky turf Churchill turf course. Um, you know, Didia for me was was a little further down. I just thought she literally runs the same race every time. Maybe it's good enough, maybe it's not. Um, fluffy socks I would didn't like, didn't hate. It's a tough course to win over um, with her running style. Uh, so I, I, I really did like, uh, like I said, Ruby now loose on the lead in here. Ruby Nell for Brian, for me, I'm going with a bit of a price in here. Didia for me ended up going off at three to one. It's not the biggest price. And then I thought mission enjoy it. The, uh, 10 to one bomb incoming price was good enough for me in there as well. So a two horse win Dutch for me. Let's see who gets it done in the 10th right now. A Pegasus world cup Philly and mare turf. Excellent beginning for Accomplished Girl, who's headed off for the early lead. In traffic at the break with Star Fortress, she shuffled back as Didia moves up on the outside to challenge for control. Queen Goddess is off the speed on a hold inside as Ruby Nell. Out in the center goes Sister Luann and Star Fortress racing together with a wide-running mission of joy. Looking for a spot to race and dropping over is surprisingly. Then back to Chili Flag, second last Fluffy Socks, the early trailer Cairo Consort. They complete the opening quarter in 24 and 4. It's a reasonable pace with Accomplished Girl the target. Latched on to her second is Didia down at the inside. That's Ruby Nell in a joint third. Out three wide, Sister Luann. Back from their mission of joy, Queen Goddess got shuffled back. Surprisingly, worked over to the rail from the 12th post, then Star Fortress. Chili Flag is racing together with her barn buddy Fluffy Socks, and Cairo Consort is still last. 
They went to half and 48-3 and three as they make their way to the far turn now. Diddy is on the outside. Accomplished girls along the rail. Their heads apart. At the inside, Ruby Nell waits her turn. Sister Luann's on her outside. Then it's Mission of Joy and Queen Goddess with surprisingly. Star Fortress shown some open racetrack. And here she comes four wide. On her back is Fluffy Sock stuck in traffic. Chili Flag. They stack and pack with a quarter of a mile left to go. Didia makes her bid for the lead. Inside Accomplished Girl loses Sister Luann. Ruby Nell is next down the center in Star Fortress. There's an eighth of a mile to go. Didia roused on the top end and trying to kick away. Apparel, it's surprisingly who fires through and charges hard. Didia's almost there. Surprisingly, he's out of time. Didia wins the Pegasus World Cup. Philly and Mare Turf. A half a length in the end from surprisingly second. It's close for third. A variety of chances, including fluffy socks in 140 and four. And Didia does get the job done. With the winning buyer being a 99, the winning mutual 860, so not too bad there. I think overall, when you look at this race, too, just the way the odds board ended up, too, you had three or four horses there pretty much all at the same price. Now, who's going to get it done? You talked about Ruby Nell ends up running third. Surprisingly, ends up splitting those at a nice price of 26 to 1. But one that you had just talked about, too, that, that Star Fortress, the Irish bred, in that race, even if you... This is why I think having formulaire and having time form is so important. This one ran a 104, closing on three fast fractions on time form. That's just an instant downgrade for me. And now knowing that, and this horse is obviously going to take money with that 104 buyer, this is one I can instantly toss off, not even based on everything else so much in the race, but just has the one race in America, was absolutely aided by the way the pace of the race went. This one's a nice easy toss out ends up running dead last in here is that first race as good as one can run maybe but this this race that happened on saturday is not you know how bad this one can run either i think this one just kind of you know had a good race ends up running in a tougher race here and ends up just you know not competing at all i was happy to see didia win i just thought again i've in my years of handicapping now i like these horses at least from a handicapping perspective of Oh my God, they run the same figure almost every time. They either improve a couple points or downgrade a couple points. I know what this one's going to run. Is there any other thing that I can add into the profile that will make me like this horse even more? No? Okay. Let me find, you know, one or two other horses that might be in that range. Or if I can find horses that have run faster, is there downgrades like a cold trainer or a pace disadvantage? You know, cold jockey, even though that stuff is so minute, you know, Didia here gets the job done off the layoff. Six-year-old now has a nice little win here in the uh, on Pegasus Day. Yeah, they better. I mean, she was like the underlay of the year to me. I mean, how she was three to one in that race. Always hindsight's twenty twenty, but that was that was mind-boggling to me. Uh, Star Fortress. I mean, it's it's kind of almost silly to talk about her. She finished last. I mean, for, something happened. Obviously, yeah. she's not going to run last in this race or, you know, if, if she had ran a race and run fourth, then that's one thing. The whole race changed complexion. Uh, Lord only knows what Frankie Dettori was thinking, but why, how Ruby now was stalking in fourth when they went 48 and three is uh, literally unfathomable. It's beyond comprehension. So um, that was just bizarre. Um, why she wasn't loose and controlling. And, you know, therefore Didius had a dream trip, just two path stalking. Uh, with no pace and to her credit, she, she, uh, she ran huge. So uh, kudos to, to connections and 
you and everybody that picked her. Um, I wasn't, you know, she was like a B to me. She wasn't, I, I didn't dislike her. I didn't like her. Um, surprisingly, it was a really odd race. I mean, surprisingly, it was just not on anyone's radar. Yeah. Uh, she didn't look good. She, you know, and she lost by a neck at 26 to one. Um, so uh, it was an odd race. I'm very skeptical of this race going forward there's a lot of horses i i want to i want to fade going forward ruby now at the top or excuse me didia at the top of the list but that doesn't really matter uh on saturday <laughs> she got it done and that's all that matters so kudos to her and like you said her connections and then uh nacho Correa does a good good job and she's a cool horse man that she's never gotten her due she's gotten a few bum rides in the past and for whatever reason you know, didn't fire in the Breeders' Cup. So it was cool. I respect the heck out of the job that he does. So it was cool to see her on a big stage, uh, probably finally maybe get some just do, even though she did win a few big pots last year. Let's move on to the next race. Race number 12 from Gulfstream Park. It is the grade one Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational. Like I said, it is a grade one. One and one eighth miles on the turf. If I thought the last race was hard, I'm not going to say this one was easy, I just became the, the chalk-eating weasel here. I, I thought someone like Integration here, limited starts, improved every race. Sometimes for me, when it's big race, big cards like this, and I know everyone says, you know, take the time you can to do every race right. If the chalk looks good, just kind of stay there and then figure out the rest on the way. I kind of circled this one, came back to it on race day. I thought a horse like King Max could run underneath there off that last race in the Fort Lauderdale only time on the track runs a solid second improved immensely. You know, listen, I get it. This one is now uh, five years old. We get that improvement, but once they're five, there's not going to be huge improvement jumps. This one went from, you know, as high as an 89 last year to a 96. I really like that one underneath. And I thought Cheryl spite was another one that was going to be a juicy price. Obviously Louis size, Roger Atfield, not the best off the layoff, but I just thought with that hundred buyer last time out in the Breeders cup mile, maybe this one could, uh, also get it's just due by hitting the board at a big price yeah i just i didn't think this was um the the best race on the card i thought it was a two horse race i picked integration just because i thought it'd be a better price than than warm heart and i thought he had more upside uh to me it was a two horse race i mean warm heart was so much the best horse in the race and and so much the the horse to beat you just kind of had to ask yourself we've seen this from coolmore in the past it was her last race you know, is she over the top? Is there just trying to squeeze one more in as she goes off the stud up in Kentucky? So, you know, I picked integration very tepidly, but to me it was it was two A's and a bunch of C's. I just didn't think anybody um anybody had remotely close to the chances those two did. And uh they were the only two horses that uh that I used. And I like I said, I I picked integration just because I did have some question marks uh, about warm heart. And I, I thought he'd be a little better price as well. Integration for both me and Brian called a consensus pick on the pod. Let's see if that one can get done right now. And they're off in the sixth running of the Pegasus world cup turf. 
Good start inside for Jerry the Nipper, who heads off for the early advantage. The favorites are both away in good shape. Warm Heart has moved up between horses and on the outside main event. So main event is up and around Jerry the Nipper to take the lead with one lap to go. Warm Heart is now third. She's angled over to the two-path. From the outside, it's Catnip who's marching forward for Detori. Down at the inside, it's Integration. Adamo is between horses. Out three deep is Sheryl Spite. He's only three lengths off the speed. Back from there, it's I'm Very Busy who's toward the rail. King Max is in the two-path. Then it's a tone. The gray masterpiece is second last. Reserved at the back is Web Slinger. They chase the speed of main event. Main event and Javier Castellano to the backstretch on top by a length off the inside. Jerry the Nipper is now second. Ryan Moore delighted with his spot with Warm Heart. She's third, tracking the top two. Back to fourth and wide is Catnip ahead of Integration. Then it's Adamo. I'm very busy. Stays parked at the inside. Cheryl Spites on the outside. Then the gray masterpiece with King Max. Toward the back of the field is Web Slinger as they make their way by a half in 46-4. and four. It's been a quick pace and main event does things his own way. He's into the turn on top. Jerry the Nipper is second. Warm Heart. Now she has a decision to make. Where will she race from here? Back to fourth and Catnip. Integration is underway with pace ahead of him. He needs a little racing room. They move by three quarters in 109 and two, and they're at the top of the stretch. Castellano and main event still going. Warm Heart needs a way out. Integration trying to work to the clear. Catnip trying to shut the door on him. There's an eighth of a mile to go. Here's Warm Heart. She got through at the rail. What a ride, and Warm Heart has hit the front. The globe-trotting Warm Heart is clear. Outside, I'm very busy charging hard late. Warm Heart wins the Pegasus World Cup. Turf. And Warm Heart does get the job done. 100 the winning buyer, 680 the winning mutual. If I had known that these prices were going to be what they were, I'm not saying I'm picking Warm Heart, but integration at, you know, sub two to one is kind of gross in this spot. Obviously, you said it was a two horse race. They bet it like a two horse race. I'm very busy. Catnip coming in. My two board shots don't really run all that well. Uh, this one for me, listen, it's, it's like you said. You know, are they over the top? And I, I'm one for, I don't like to bet horses going into retirement races in the Pegasus and just on this type of day. I just feel like nine times out of 10, they always take money. And if I can even beat three of them, I'm usually ROI positive. And I feel like throughout me doing it, I have been this time I end up with egg on my face. Yeah. I mean, how, and I'm not, crying milk because I made the morning line, but how warm heart was twice the price of integration is just, <laughs> it's, is unfathomable and it's correct. And so I made the morning line and I was wrong, but how this horse was twice the price of integration who had never run against older horses in a stakes race. Um, I picked integration, didn't have the best trip. It didn't matter. Um, that was remarkable on a true group one horse for Coolmore who had just run third against males in the Hong Kong vase at shot 10. Uh, I mean, in a race where integration probably would have been 15 or 20 to one um, was just unfathomable. I got to say it again. That's the, just the word that comes to mind. And Ryan Moore, who many people think is the best jockey in the world, uh, left everybody with a uh, video of why he probably is the best jockey of the world because that was a absolute gem of a ride he gave warm gave warm heart. I will say this: the buyer declined five points, so I guess I feel a little bit better about it that I, I didn't bet the declining horse that still gets the job done. Uh, I think overall, it, it's like you said, 
being a morning line maker is is never fun because either you're you're wrong <laughs> and and you don't and you know this happens and warm heart stays where it is, or obviously you get the bashing and all that from everyone else. I, I just I look at this price and like I think that something you brought up too older horses in stake races. From my perspective of being a younger player, I am very much don't look at the ages and stuff like that where it's like, oh, it's first time facing four-year-olds or first time. Like, I have to be around, like, you and PTF to be like, all right, that is an angle that I need to look at. And I usually don't look at it, you know, I'm looking at it, like, in the allowance and the claiming races. I'm not paying attention to it in the stakes. And I think that's something that's really bad in my game that I don't pay attention to age like that because, I mean, I guess here it wouldn't have helped, but... I just feel like this horse at 680 with the highest best buyer and you almost get five to two is just like you said, unfathomable. And again, Ryan Moore, another great ride there. No one else. Again, this is a race where it's like, okay, well, what else are we looking? I'm very busy. I mean, ran extremely well for IRAD and you know, Chad still can't get it done here and he must be ripping his hair out at this point. Yeah. I'm very busy was 50 to one in the race to me. He ran huge. He could have won the race with a clean trip. He definitely had some traffic issues there. He really stepped up. Um, that was shocking to me because on, on paper, like I said, he uh, integration, I think beat him five lengths in the, the Hill Prince mm-hmm. or whatever the, the Belmont race, Belmont at Aqueduct race was. Um, so that was very, very surprising, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, luckily, not that I was really keen on making a win bet on integration, but the, the, the highlight there was that the, the betting public just didn't let you allow you to make a win bet. I mean, who's going to the window at six to five on that horse uh, in that race? So uh, I just kind of watched it and, and uh, that was that, but man, it, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but yeah, what a ride by, by Ryan Moore. And uh, it, it was a hell of Tonum could have won the race he, yeah. and he had no form this year. The defending champ, he had a trip in there. There's a lot of people, you could watch this race for an hour and take trip notes for an hour uh, on this race because there was a lot going on. And 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 you could argue Warm Heart wasn't the best, but she got a brilliant ride while other horses that were very close to her uh, had some serious trouble in the race. Uh, but, uh, man, it was that was uh, if, if you I'll tell you what, if you were loved Warm Heart, you, you are you are laughing cash in 680 on that horse. <laughs> Let's move on to the last race of the pod, race number 13 from Gulfstream Park. It's the uh, the Coup de Gras, the Pegasus World Cup Invitational, one on eight miles on the dirt. I I feel like I was going loopy looking at this race because not that anything didn't, you know, pop out at me at first. I just didn't want – I just didn't want National Treasure. And I just don't know if it's the Baffert thing, and I'm just so against betting Baffert from here on out. The 107 to me, it's kind of like if you look at Warm Heart in the last race, and I guess I just didn't learn my freaking lesson. Uh, 107, this one's been running 90s. You know, he ran 98 back in the Preakness. Maybe this one, and I cashed in, in, in that race as well. Maybe this one just, you know, regresses back. And okay, well, that equals up a bunch of spots. Well, who can we bet then? Good old Senior Buscador with Junior Alvarado. Todd Fincher. I just thought, if you look at the Cigar Mile, yes, it was in the mud. I understand that. But this one had, within the last five races, two 100 buyers, not at the distance, but still had, you know, some strong upper 90s. And then you also look at a horse like Hoist the Gold that ended up winning the Cigar Mile. And these horses, first of all, I can't believe these horses took as much money as they did, both being under 10 to 1. That was uh, 
almost made it like unfathomable. Made it like, can I really bet these horses when they're such a strong favorite that I just don't like as much? I ended up betting both of them. I thought a two-horse win Dutch here made sense. Uh, everyone will look at that big number in the mud and just could be kind of turned off by it. But these horses had one other back number that I think made them fit in this race. And if national treasure doesn't run as well as he did in the last race, well, I think I'm sitting here good with two horses that are just under 10 to one here. Yeah, it was, it was a definite eye of the beholder kind of race. I just thought national treasure was an absolute cinch in the race. Um, and you know, you just, the Pegasus has been had been run seven times and and no horse further than fourth at the pace call. Um, the winner was never worse than fourth at the mm-hmm. pace call. Um, so that's that's part one. He just um, there were a lot of quality individuals in the race. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought he had uh, he was overwhelmingly better than the rest of them. And then the other thing I just thought with his running style was was just going to get such a good trip in the race. Um, you know, hoist the gold was going to go and, and, and national treasure is not a runoff kind of horse. So can let hoist the gold who was, you know, to me, 50 to one in the race, he had zero chance to win the race. Uh, but so national treasure just settles just off him, gets first run and, and that's it. And he wins. Uh, I was so, I, I was so against senior Buscador, uh, you know, with that running style, it's just never going to win a big race at Gulfstream park. It's impossible. It, it would, it's, you can't just leave yourself with that much to do. And a lot of people were, you know, I made him 20. I wanted to make him 15. I couldn't get there. And then this and that, but yeah, they bet him and they bet him hard. So, uh, you know, he was, he was basically nine to one in the race. There was just horses that they were solid, but you know, are they Pegasus world cup? winning horses you had to ask yourself that question and i just kind of felt like at the end of the day national treasure was just not going to lose this race we've seen bob baffert ship in he had just run a huge second to the horse of the year cody's wish and um this was you know he was an a and a single at, at the end of everything all my horizontals national treasure for brian for me i'm going with some horses out of new york senior bruscador and hoist the gold little closer speed combo there Let's see who gets done in the Pegasus right now. And they're off in the eighth running of the Pegasus World Cup. It was a beautiful beginning, several riding for the early lead, including National Treasure. Down at the inside, Hoist the Gold tries to go with him, and these two flat fly. Gaffleone was intent on getting over on Skippy Longstocking. He had to use some speed to do it, but he's third now. Trademark comes away fourth for Fernando de la Cruz, followed by First Mission, then Immiraculo. A gap of two and a half to Grand Aspen, who's racing ahead of the team of Nimitz Class and O'Connor. O'Connor's dropped better than ten lengths off this big-time early battle. It's a gap of two and a half to Di- Dynamic one, then Senor Buscador. He has to love life. He's racing 11th, but he's a beneficiary of a big time pace battle, and the trailer is croupy. They whistled a quarter, 23 and 1, as they head down the backstretch. Hoist the Gold has won the tussle early with National Treasure, and he's five furlongs from home and two on top. National Treasure is now second. Up in the center, it's Il Miraculo. Down at the inside goes Trademark. Working between them is first mission. Underway from mid flight, O'Connor's drawing closer in the orange colors. He's two better than. Grand Aspen dropping back his Skippy Longstocking. Going by him is now moving up between horses Senor Buscador. He's had a lot of pace ahead of him. He's picking off horses one by one as they have less than three furlongs to go. Hoist the Gold has the lead. National Treasure takes another crack at him at the 5 16th. They're still three better than O'Connor. Senor Buscador continues to run home. He ponders an inside lane with a quarter of a mile left to go. Still plenty of hopes here in the Pegasus World Cup. 
national treasure has come away with the lead. Senor Buscador, he's still closing down the center. There's an eighth of a mile to go, and national treasure with work to do. Senor Buscador takes aim on the outside. They come past the eighth pole. Jockey John on the inside, it's still national treasure holding on. Down the center, Senor Buscador, he's running out of time. National treasure would not be denied. And it is National Treasure gets the job done. 105, the winning buyer. 720, the winning mutual. And uh, listen, Senior Buscador must have given you a scare here in this race. Finishes right up there with a 105 as well. But again, it's like you had said, if you're not within fourth, you're not winning the Pegasus. Senior Buscador, a great underneath horse here, still almost gets the job done. But I mean, that, you know, exacta for a dollar paid 35, that seems a little bit light in it of itself with how big the field was. Seems like a lot of people were betting the senior Buscador underneath. Yeah, they were firing hard at him. I thought it was great that he ran so big. I have, I was at, I was working at Fairgrounds a year. He came for the Risen Star, and he was a serious horse, and he just didn't go right that day. And and Todd Fincher had to back off. He had some issues. It was really impressive the job that Todd has done with him to get him back. He's a great two winner, and he ran absolutely so big. Um, on Saturday, that was really, really cool to see. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, they're going to run a lot of races before the end of the year. Uh, they're going to have to look really long and hard and far and wide to find a, a race that has yet to be run that's better than what National Treasure did. That was remarkable um, how we won that race. Basically dueling with Hoist the Gold through a 46-1 and one half mile um, to horses that ran second and third were le- 11th and 12th or second last and last at the half mile pole. And I'll tell you what, if you watch the gallop out, they could have ran, ran around seven more times and senior Buscador was never going by national treasure. It was an absolutely um, unbelievable effort that he put forth and uh, you know, kudos to the team, but yeah, it was cool to see senior senior Buscador run. Well, I guess the betting public just, you know, I, I, I had initially had him at eight to five. I had to go to nine to five. Uh, here's another horse, seven twenty to win. They just didn't. Be- I guess they didn't believe him as a true grade one nine furlong older dirt horse. But uh, well, that that was not the case because man, he ran big and uh, hoist the gold somehow held on for fourth. Nobody really ran in the race, Spence. Just the top three horses ran. It was kind of odd because anybody that was wanted to come from behind, you know. They, if, if you told the trainers, their trainers, this is what was going to happen, they would have been licking their chops. But yet nobody really did any real running. I mean, after the top three, the gap was uh, 11 lengths to the, you know, to the rest. So kudos to the top three and certainly kudos to the top two. I guess the two main things, and I'm happy you brought that last part up. Uh, first mission, almost going off the same price as National Treasure and then finishing it down towards the bottom, I think is just, you know, Crazy. laughable looking at that. I, I listened to 102 in the Clark and then off a layoff. For someone like Brad, I get it, but this horse needs blue fractions and just wasn't going to get that in this race with Hoist the Gold. Um, and like you said, the top three ran so well. Is this one of, I don't want to say it's the weakest running of the Pegasus, but I, I can't remember a race this where I, like this on this day where I saw that type of difference from the top three to the rest. Yeah, I mean, I think it was also, though, such a huge performance. I mean, the Preakness winner was in here. You can't take anything away yeah. from the field. And, uh, you know, I, I just think the top two really separated themselves. And that, I think that's, that had something to do with it. 
um, as well. I mean, they, they went so ballistic early that the field was just, there were a lot of horses that just got run off their feet. It's a credit to senior Buscador and even Krupe that they did pick up some pieces. There were some trips in there as well. And there were just a lot of horses that, you know, kind of on kind of, uh, oddly just didn't really fire. I mean, first mission got a dream trip. He was in the second pack while they ran off the screen early and, uh, he had nothing to offer. Um, you know, and then there was other, some other like Nimitz class had a rough trip in the race. And there were just some horses that were very, very logical, uh, that just didn't for whatever reason, Grant Aspen ran huge in the Harlan's holiday, lightly raced up and coming for Todd Pletcher. He finished, he, he essentially, he finished last because, uh, there was a horse that got pulled up. So it's just, you know, it goes back to what were we talking about in, uh, uh, star fortress if you, you didn't like her that's one thing but you didn't think she was going to run last in the yeah. race either so just uh you know kind of a, a, a perfect storm for 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 the way the race you know the, the reason why there were so many gapped out uh finishes i think that's a really good take on that for me i guess i will go and i will erase my note of how weak is this race and i will take a better approach not better approach but i'll take a more open stance on it and just see if you know my idea is correct, or if it's more of like what you had said and the reasons why. But that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. I do want to thank my special guest Brian Nadup for coming on. Brian, what we got going on now? That uh, let's see, the 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 rainbow's been hit. The Pegasus is over. I mean, obviously we're not going to have a great weekend of racing, right? But obviously you're going to tell me that's wrong. What we got going on over there? Yeah, no, we have a we have a monster day on Saturday. It's Holy Bull Day, so the path to the Florida Derby really starts in earnest on Saturday. Uh, there are four graded stakes races and five total and the two-year-old champion fierceness is coming back in the holy bowl on saturday so that's pretty awesome to see for todd pletcher and mike rapoli and uh, so dominant in the breeders cup juvenile so we get to see him front and center like we got to see forte last year and uh, that's pretty exciting the turf races on saturday the two three-year-old graded stakes turf races um are are really really good so uh, there's a lot to look forward to uh on saturday all three-year-olds in the spotlight which is pretty cool always exciting we are on the road to the kentucky derby pegasus is in the rear window thank you so much for coming on brian i really appreciate it yeah you got it always fun to do it spencer we'll catch up soon i want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast and the rest of the podcast on the, in the money media network also want to thank my special guest brian natto for coming on Talking all things Pegasus World Cup with myself. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's present is Peter Thomas Fornatel. Our G Creative Officer is Jonathan Kinchin. Our In the Money Media Business Manager is Drew Cotney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl. We will see you next time.